HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Why don't you sit right back and I, I may tell you a tale, a tale of three little pigs and a big bad wolf. That's the best theme song I've ever heard. Especially for today. Yes, you're listening to the Heritage Report. I'm Jack Inslee. Heather Hyman here. And today we are talking Duroc pork. Duroc's Duroc. Duroc. They do, indeed. With uh, Craig Good, he'll be on the line with us in about 10 minutes here or so. Um, we're broadcasting live right now out of the back of Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn, out of two repurposed shipping containers. And we got the heaters on next to us. Yeah, it's kind of cold. Um, for those who care, that was Green Jelly with Three Little Pigs, a song that I love dearly. We're going to have to hear a little bit more of that later. Yeah, probably. So anyway, today we're talking pork. We're talking Duroc, which up until now I had no idea what it was. Apparently it's a, a breed. It's a breed of pig for sure. But why don't we first tell our listeners who you are, Jack? It's true. I never introduced myself last week. Yeah. Jack's my new co-host for the Heritage Report. Yes. And uh, I am the executive producer here at Heritage Radio Network. Um, hmm, What else about me? Uh, I'm a musician and, um, you know, that's about all that matters. You're beginning to learn a lot about food. It's true. Before I started working here, I loved McDonald's. Uh Now I only secretly love McDonald's. Yeah. (laughs) Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all good. So today we'll have Craig Good, as we mentioned earlier, on the line with us in just a bit. Um, We'll be talking to him about something special that he's recently started to do on his farm, which is introducing a new breed of hog. Um, As Jack mentioned, he wasn't sure too much about what the differences are in heritage breeds. And I guess I can speak to that a little bit. Well, a heritage breed first is what? A heritage breed? breed could mean it's a purebred it has to do with the genetics of the animal right now there are more than one heritage breeds of pork 
Yes, most okay, certainly. Cool. Um, the Heritage Breeds that Heritage Foods USA and that I work most with um, on a week in and week out basis for sure is most definitely the Berkshire. Um, we source um, about 150 pigs a week. Um, Heritage Foods USA that gets uh, divided up into all of its parts and pieces and shipped across the country to restaurants and home chefs. Um, so um, most of those pigs are Berkshire each week, but then we'll also have a little mix of some Duroc pigs, some Tamworth pigs and some red wattle pigs so what's the difference like why why would i pick one over the other um well it depends on your taste really i mean uh for example i mean you could compare breeds of pigs to different kinds of wines like if Mm. you were talking red wine for example and you weren't really like really into red wine and you wouldn't choose a cabernet something that's like so deep and rich um so if you really aren't into pork you wouldn't really want to go with a red wattle breed red wattle is like the porkiest of the four breeds i mentioned earlier by porky you mean like meaty gamey like it's gonna have like the most like pork flavor to it um as opposed to like a berkshire which may be a little more mild you know um for me the dark breed is like the most like round um i really like the taste of it it's very tender um but the berkshire is definitely like the most consistent um you know we see that the marbling in it is really good fat wise the contents at the muscle structure all of that um differs between the different breeds for sure and if berkshire were were like a good merlot then i guess boar's head would be Yellowtail or Gato Negro or <laughs> well, Trader Joe's Two Buck Chuck maybe. Yeah, I'm not really sure what you mean by by Boar's Head, but um, Boar's Head's not a breed. Boar's well, I head. assume they just got you know they had a big pig factory and they just well, had the same breed. We uh, are who, who knows? No, we're sitting below a Boar's Head. It was probably just a good idea for the name of their company because they sell a lot of pork. Well, I, I hate to I hate to, to to air this out over the uh, over the airwaves here, but I was walking. By the McKibben lofts right around the corner, and there was this disgusting, like, pig carcass. I saw pictures of that on the internet. It did look hide. like it did look like pork skin. I must say, I think it was, and it must have just fallen off a boar's head truck because the factory's right here. And that's, oh. that's either that or it was an art project, and I've been fooled. But interesting, it was pretty disgusting. Well, yeah, I never was sure what goes on at the boar's head dock across the street i always thought it was like a loading dock of some sort i don't really know if there's live animals over there i'm not sure it could be from one of these restaurants who order whole animals who knows could be anyway that's just local all that being said um that's just what's on the block here at roberta's exactly right near our radio studio some interesting things go on for sure so now craig has introduced this new breed Yes, that's what we're going to talk to mm-hmm. Craig about. He's intri- he's introduced a new breed of um, hog to his farm, the Old Spot, which um, I have never had a chance to taste the, the Old Spot breed before. Old Spot breed is its own thing. Yeah, it's totally different from the Duroc. Um, so we're going to wow. find out what the challenge is and you know how the, the transition, bring this pig into his farm and how he got the genetics and all that once we get him on in just a bit. Um but it, it's important to diversify on your farm. Mm. There's definitely, um, you know, things that one animal can do for the landscape itself that another can't. So, right. for example, I was just down in Virginia, um, I guess it was two weekends ago now, visiting Alec Bradford. Alec Bradford's farm, Leaping Waters Farm. Um, he's been a guest on the network here a couple times. Um, we've spoken about his ancient white part cattle, oh, and um, I you tasted know, it. it's delicious. Oh, it's so good. Well, part of the thing that makes that 
beef so delicious is the grasses that his cattle feed on. Mm -hmm. So he doesn't really need to do too much work like with any kind of tractor or tiller or anything because his 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 animals till the lands. They eat wow. the grass. So they're they're workers also. They're workers. You're hot. Wow, that's insane. Definitely. That's crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, that's definitely part of the reason why I think a lot of farmers have certain animals, you know, on their land to, to help out with um, different tasks. Like I know um, certain goats, you know, will go and like weed out some of the weeds in the garden or, you know, just munch on some of like the extra leaves and things of that sort. It's incredible. Yeah, I mean, it's nature. Mm. Now, mo most farmers who are raising pigs, do they do they tend to stay with one breed or... Uh um, well, I think it depends on what kind of farm. Right. Um, there's definitely like the farmers that have like transitioned from conventional farming to heritage farming, like heritage breed farming. Mm. Like, and um, there's still probably farmers that donate, as we realized last week when we spoke with Marty um, at Spence Farm, mm -hmm. um, who did the corn. He had what 150 acres of like regular crop, and then 10 acres designated just to heirloom varieties right so i'm sure um the same goes with livestock that you know many farmers probably still raise like that you know one kind of commodity um pig but then they might donate or they might use half or part of their land to raise you know heritage breeds or something that's you know for a different market which is getting more popular definitely cool. um but you know as it gets popular you know more infrastructure needs to be placed and mm -hmm. you know it needs to become more available to customers at you know fair price so that people can you know really experience the benefits of these heritage breeds so i mean do these do the farmers kind of get together and have a brain trust meeting like how can we make this easier or um, well, there's definitely conferences. Um, there's definitely, you know, meetings, you know, within the industry. Um, I know our, um, you know, uh, owner of the Paradise Soccer Meets, where most of our animals get slaughtered. They were just at a conference, a, a meat butchers conference last uh, last mm. weekend. And I know that there's definitely a need for butchers. I mean, that's something that's a, a, a dying trade. Um, I'm even in this local area, New York, I'm seeing, um, you know, um, the, the meat hook. Meat um, hook. They're having uh, classes on butchering. Um, really cool. Shauna Pacifico, um, the head chef at Back 40 in uh, the East Village, she's got... Um, pig butchering classes mm -hmm. as well. Novella Carpenter came here and cut up some little bunnies. Yeah, was, I mean, it was cool. you look on like the Whole Foods job listings, they're looking for people who know how to c cut meat. I mean, right. you know, the more that people understand what to do with a whole animal and how to break it down, the better off we'll all be with the, you know, the, these special cuts of meat from these different kinds of animals. And until someone understands, you know, really like the physiology of an animal, they're not going to be able to to really give it to you in For the sure. way that it best presents itself. So if you're listening and you lost your job in this economy, you should really <laughs> get a whole animal and learn what the hell you're doing there because uh, we need it. Yeah, well, for sure. We're going to we're gonna need people to always help us um, yeah. get the best food possible to our plates. Well, let's get Craig on the phone. I want to figure out some more about these, uh, Old these pigs. Old spot pigs. You're listening to the Heritage Report on the Heritage Radio Network. We will be right back. Okay. 
Can only see your eyes, can no longer see your lips. Latch your arm to me, and don't let go your grip. No, baby, don't pull that switch. See, I'm trying to represent and just learn who you are and not be hesitant. The more I speak, the more you touch, the more I lunge for you. The more you cry, the more we fly, the more I come for you. And should it build your soul, I should it keep you down. And just take this hit, I still be around. Let's go. to the Heritage Report. I'm Jack Inslee with Heather Hyman right here next to me. That was our very own Rectech, a.k.a. Nat Wiener, with uh, an exclusive remix for our music break. That's great. Thank um, you. We are at Roberta's Restaurant, which is at 261 Moore Street in Bushwick, Brooklyn. And today we're sponsored by Heritage Foods USA. And if you guys have anything to say, any questions for us or the farmers we interview, you can always call in live, and the number is 718-497-2128. And right now, I believe we have Craig on the phone. Craig, you there? Yes, I am. Hello. How are you doing today? Hey, Greg. We're good. How's it going? Good. Good. Hey, Craig. Welcome back to the network. We're happy to have you back on. Hi, Heather. How's everything going over there today in uh, Kansas? Pretty good. We were uh, having a little bit more mild weather than what we've been used to all winter, mm. so we're, we're happy about that. Yeah, so that's pretty nice. You guys are very connected to the weather, being yes. a farmer, so it's very important. We always seem to get a little report whenever we have anyone on the line with what's going on, where they are in their part of this country. That's right. It's uh, We're directly related to uh, to the weather, and so we're very conscious of it. Most indeed. Well, I am excited to have you on here today to talk about, um, you know, not only like the Duroc breed that you have been raising, but about the uh, new breed of pig you most recently introduced to your farm. Can, mm-hmm. What breed is that? The Old Spot you, you did, right? Yes, Old Spots, or, or uh, some people might call them Gloucestershire Spots. Wow. Yeah. Um, that's kind of a mouthful, but yeah. uh, we, we kind of refer to them as Old Spots, or... The ones we have are not 100% pure Gloucestershire Shire, okay. but they have a lot of Gloucestershire influence in them, mm-hmm. and, uh, and they've been uh, you know, bred pretty intensely in that respect. Now, how do you know what percentage of that um, breed that you pronounce way better than I'd be able to <laughs> well, have in there? Well, you, know, you just would have to go back in the pedigrees mm-hmm. and, and to look uh, on the registration papers to see I know that, uh, you know, uh, the, the pigs that we got from uh, this breeder in, in Ohio, mm-hmm. um, he, he could trace them back to an importation of some spots, uh, Gloucestershire's, back in uh, the middle, early to middle 80s. 
Wow. And we'd have to go back, and he had, he had uh, selected some of those pigs and had had kept on breeding that particular line over and over through the generations. And so uh, that's that's what my pigs are that we have right now. Where did the old spots or originally come from? What country? Well, actually, uh, Gloucestershire Shire, England. Okay, and so... Um, you know, that's, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not as uh, probably uh, as studied up on the Gloucestershire Shires as I am nearly the Dewrocks, but mm-hmm. but uh, from what I'm able to glean, they're, uh, you know, they, they originated in Gloucestershire Shire, England. Now, um, you said you bought this breeding stock from someone in Ohio. How in the world did you get these pigs from Ohio to Kansas? Well, it, it's kind of a long story, Heather. Mm-hmm. But but uh, to try We've to condense, time. <laughs> but, but to try to condense it a little bit, uh, this this man uh, had called me about uh, we we got these pigs. We took ownership of them in September this of '09 this last fall, and um, the man this man had called me more than a year earlier, mm-hmm. and he had he had contacted me, and I had I was acquainted with him, but. We didn't know each other personally, and he said that somebody had suggested that uh, that that he give me a call because he said I think they said that I was one of the few people in the country that might appreciate these pigs. You and, probably uh, are. Well, and so uh, at the time I thought about it, and and I told him that I really at that time I really wasn't ready to take on anything new. Mm-hmm. I wanted to do a real good job with what we had and not get spread too thin. Well. A year later, um, when Patrick at Heritage Foods there had approached me about the possibility of wanting to, you know, have a, a, a more rare breed pig, then I contacted this fellow in Ohio thinking, well, there's just no chance a year later that he'll have them. <laughs> but what do he you said, know? I sure have them. And he said, I, he said, and I, I, I need to get rid of them. He said, I just can't bring myself to sell them just to market because uh. he said, I've got so much time and in so much breeding and uh, concerning with these pigs that, that he says, I just hate to take them to market. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he's had them from the 80s, so he selective breeded these this pig, you know, to get the best qualities from it. Is that correct? That's correct, Heather. And they, and they're, they looked uh, quite a bit different than uh, some of the other pigs, you know, that would be popular mm. in, 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 in this era. And what, uh, what exactly do they look like? Can you describe them? Well, they've got what we would call lop or lop ears or ears <laughs> that would be would be bent down over their uh, over their more towards their eyes. Oh. So they're they're not erect ears, they're more of a lop-eared breed or a heavy-eared breed. And um they're fairly long uh and fairly tall. Um but the the color pattern, they're kind of a, a kind of an off-white or you know, they're not pure just white-white, but they're kind of a kind of a kind of an off-white, and then they have uh, black spots on them that are, some spots are maybe a foot in diameter, some might be even bigger than that, wow. some might be smaller than that. Hence the name. Yep, so the, so the Gloucestershire Shire spots is what, and so that's, uh, that's kind of a description of them, but it, compare them to my Dewrocks, um, I would say it's a little early for me to tell a, a lot yet, but they... The pigs don't have as much, the, the Gloucestershires don't have as much um, muscle definition um, in terms of looking down their tops. They don't have quite as much, uh, you know, quite as much expression or definition of muscle that you might be, you know, be seeing. And that's, 
that's something that's uh, a, a difference that I notice in in terms of confirmation. And what what does that um, implicate in terms of taste? Well, I think probably in terms of taste, it's you know I'd hate to say it because I might be telling a story, but <laughs> but but I think I think they'll you know because of that I, I anticipate that they might have a real fine textured mm. you know um, you know lean. Mm-hmm. And I'm quite sure that they'll also have additional fat cover that compared, sounds... <laughs> compared to my Durocs. Um Now, as far as marbling or intramuscular fat, uh-huh. um, I'm not sure what they'll look like. Uh, don't know yet because we haven't haven't done any of, of the processing of this pork yet. But I'm anticipating, um, you know, that the meat quality should be very good on these oh, pigs so... and should should be fine textured. And I would anticipate, you know, being pretty. Pretty, uh, pretty tasty and uh, and pretty tender. So none have been processed yet, huh? It's been pretty, well, pretty soon. Not not by not by my me anyway. Not okay. now. The fellow that I purchased them for from, he compared them. He says the the, the texture of the pork he thought was going to be more similar to a Berkshire. Mm-hmm. Okay. And in, in, in probably the color of the of the lean might be a little bit darker. Hmm. Um. So. We, but I don't. I can't speak from personal experience. But he said that um, that he had been selling some to some neighbors and said that the, the the neighbors were extremely happy with it and thought that they they really had really good meat meat quality and flavor. So when do you suspect that these pigs will be ready to be brought to market? Well, actually, Heather, I'm going to have my first babies or my first feral, my first litter in approximately two weeks. Wow. And, and so we're kind of excited about that. And um, we, um, you know, and then so then, uh, and I don't know how fast the growth rate will be. I would anticipate that they're going to be a little slower growing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm guessing probably in six to seven more months, probably closer to seven months, we'll probably have pigs for sale. Now, do you find that um, like this is an ideal time to have a litter? Like now that like the, they'll be, um, you know, just being born as the weather starts to change to get a little bit nicer where you are, and maybe they'll be able to eat a little bit more and gain a little weight faster, or not so much. Yeah, I think it's a pretty good time to be having them. <clears throat> the probably the downside is is that you know is they'll be uh, finishing during the hot weather, mm-hmm. and which sometimes um, the pigs don't grow. Is effectively because their 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 appetite, you know, much like we are. If it's if it's hot weather, sometimes their appetite isn't as good, and they don't eat as much and grow and grow quite as well. But but that's that's not a big issue for us because we're able to keep them fairly clean and or cool and in, in their sheds and in the shade that we have for them. And so um, that's not a big issue. But that's the downside is that we'll be finishing during hot weather. Yeah. Well, we'll give them a little cold hose and. They'll there be we all go. right for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, but um, let's let's take a short break and come back, learn a little bit more about the journey from Ohio to Kansas, and uh, talk a little bit more about um, what you were up to this past weekend. Okay, I'd love to, love to share that with we'll you. We'll be right back. A little song I wrote You might want to sing it Note for note Don't worry 
be happy In every life we have some trouble But when you worry you make it double Don't worry Be happy Don't worry, be happy now Don't worry Be happy Don't worry, be happy No place to lay your head Somebody came and took your And we're back On the Heritage Report On the Heritage Radio Network Remember, you can podcast All of these episodes, shows On the Heritage Radio Network All you need to do is go to the iTunes store Search Heritage Radio Network And they're all there for your listening pleasure And, um Again, you can call us at 718-497-2128 or email us with any questions at info at heritageradionetwork.com. And uh, we're still on the phone with Craig. Are you there? Yes, I am. All right, Craig. I really want to know about this journey that these um, old spots took from Ohio to your farm. Okay. Well, we um, uh, had made arrangements, first of all, to you know, to, in order to bring these pigs in because because our herd here in Kansas, um, we have a what we would call a very high health herd of, of pigs. We we're very particular about you know about bringing in animals. As a matter of fact, our our herd here we've never brought uh, an animal on the farm since our beginning, uh, a live animal, and wow. and so because we were very very conscious of biosecurity. Definitely. And because we we can't afford to bring in disease, so we had to we had these pigs uh, tested, blood tested for a number of different diseases, and they passed their tests. And so we we made arrangements with this breeder to go pick them up, and uh, they were in Ottawa, Ohio, which is about a oh it's about a thirteen hour drive for us. Oof. And so uh, Amy, my wife, and I we left. Um, and we got there, and actually, I had a cousin that lived in the neighborhood, so we were able to stop and see them, and, nice. and which was was really fun. But then uh, we went to load these pigs, and it was really quite an experience. Um, the pigs had not uh, uh, don't get me wrong; they, these pigs had not been abused at mm-hmm. all. Yeah, but they were in kind of some hog, some old barns, uh, some uh, buildings, and these pigs had had been in there and. Uh, pigs can be kind of independent sometimes, and and so you know when we went to get them out of those buildings, it was incredibly hard, and it took us about to load uh, the eight of them. It took us about two and a half hours. Is it because? So is it because it was quite frustrating, and uh, so they, they the pigs would they would they would hit the daylight, <gasps> and they would just freeze up and like, just stand there like. I don't want to go any further. I'm wow. scared to go out in the big world, you know. Ooh. How heavy and are these so, pigs? Oh, these were big. Um, they would, uh, estimating weight, some of them probably weighed close to 800 pounds. Wow. <laughs> and most of them were probably 500 to 700 pounds. Wow. How do you move and them? How did you end you up getting them out? Well, you sure can't manhandle them, no. that's for sure. And it's not so a cat. Just, There's no catnip. No, right. No. <laughs> 
But uh, what we finally did is um, it was it was kind of a comedy. I, I wish we would have had a video camera because it was it would have been hilarious to go back and watch it trying <laughs> trying to push them around and everything, and they just don't push. So finally, um, an old trick that I've learned a long time ago, but I haven't used it just rarely, is I asked him, I said, do you have a bushel basket or a five-gallon bucket or something? He says, yeah, I've got a bushel basket. And so I said, well, let's get them turned around so they're back in, so they're headed out backwards. Uh-huh. And we just put the bushel basket over their head oh. so that they can't see. And so then they, and a pig will try to back up when they can't see. And so we were able just to back them right out of the of the old barn, you know, into where we could load them with, on our trailer. That's brilliant. That's what experience in farming will let you do, huh? Well, and it's not hard on the animals at all. You know, it's it saves frustration of man and beast. Yeah. And uh, so we did get them finally loaded. And... Uh, it was hard. The, uh, the, this gentleman was, oh, probably in his 50s, but his dad was in his 80s, and wow. I could tell they were hating to see him go. Oh, um, yeah. So, but we, you know, they knew that uh, that we would take good care of them, and so we left with them and uh, and uh, made it back to Kansas. So we drove we drove really hard, and um, so that we, the pigs weren't on the trailer any longer than we had to to have them. What about getting them off the trailer once you got home? Right, getting them off the trailer at home—that was uh, another story. Um, I got—I was able to get uh, all but two of them off. I have a trailer that goes up and down; it's hydraulic, and it goes up and down, so I can either load up to a big tall truck or drop clear to the ground. And mm-hmm. I backed it up even with my trailer, and I got—I got six of them off. But there was two of them that I absolutely just couldn't—they wouldn't move. And so I thought, I'll just leave the, I'll outsmart them. I'll just move, leave the trailers backed up together. And surely in the night they'll, they'll wander over. <laughs> but in the morning they were sitting in the same spot that they were <laughs> where, where I left them. So that move. wasn't effective. Wow. So we finally, we did our other trick again and backed them out the trailer and with the basket and, and uh, got them under our, our trailer and then took them out to our pens, outside, our outside pens. And how long did it take before they, um, you know, got together and, and had a litter? Oh, well, Heather, got um, actually, um, what I did, because I, uh, because I had these pigs, I wanted to keep them. I kept them in two pens mm-hmm. that were away from the rest of my herd. And because just in case there was a problem health-wise with the pigs, you know, and we found it out after we got them here, uh, that way they wouldn't have exposed all the rest of my pigs to that problem. Okay. So so we did that. We kept them kept them there. And so what I did is I I actually had two boars and I, I kept one away from him because he was too big to use. He was so humongous that I I felt like he would not be practical for me to use at that time. Okay. But I left the other boar, the younger boar, with him. And so as they came into in, into heat, what we call standing heat, or their recept will receive a boar for mating. Um, you know, we went ahead and, and let that happen, and and um, the first cycle that they they cycle every uh, eighteen to twenty one days. The first cycle they did not conceive, hmm. but after that, then the, the they started conceiving, and so I think out of the whole, you know, all the the females which which we had was uh, we got six uh, now and two boars and and. Uh, out of all that, I think I'll end up with probably, hopefully, three for sure, 
and maybe a fourth one might conceive. But I think there's several of them that will not probably go ahead and have babies. Did it make you nervous after that first cycle when the, the sow didn't conceive that maybe you yeah. had done all this for nothing? It did, Heather. It really did. And But I figured, you know, what will be, what will be, will be, and we and we just uh, we, we'll take what we can get. And I was just tickled to get, if I can get a start of a couple of litters, and then I can keep new baby, you know, keep replacements back out of the ones that I raise. Well, you seem to have a very positive attitude about it, and um, I know you know you're very careful with with you know the Durox and and you're um, you know keeping the other breeds separate. Do you find that there's ever going to be um, a reason to to crossbreed the Durox with the with the old spots? Is that desirable yeah. in any way? Heather, I, I think I think it would be a tremendous cross. I, you know, uh, I know the fellow that I, that I got these from. He had Durox as well, and he said that he had he had eaten some of those. We, we would like to call them, I guess, for no better, better lack of a better term, spot rocks. Hmm. <laughs> because oh, spots nice. and the dew rocks, you know. And so, yes, I do have plans to cross those because I think the characteristics of the breeds complement each other. And I think we could end up with a really, really outstanding tasting uh, pork. And that's that's our hope, anyway. All right. Well, we'll have to change your tagline from dew rocks, dew rock, to something with, like, I don't know. We'll come up with it when the time is right. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to think on that one. But will you come back on the air and tell us how it's going with the with the old spots? Um, maybe in like a few months from now. Yeah, I'd love to, Heather. All right, wonderful. We'd be more than happy to have you back on. I'm pretty happy. I'm, I'm pretty uh, kind of proud of them. I mean, I've I've never brought in another breed like this, and it's uh, you know, it's kind of a and it's a chance to preserve a, um, a dying you know, breed. So a breed and, a, and some genetics that was going to go by the wayside exactly. if, if, if we didn't. So I feel, I feel positive about that. And that's what excites us here on the Heritage Radio Network. Keeping biodiversity alive in our food supply is definitely something we support. Absolutely. Um, we want to thank you, Craig, for joining us today. Thanks, Craig. We want to thank our listeners. And you can uh, find us anytime at www.heritageradionetwork.com. Check out our archives for all the network shows. And uh, thank you to our engineer, Nat Wiener, and our one-time producer, Jay Stewart. Heritage Foods USA, the sponsor, heritagefoodsusa.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Well, I'm huffing, I'm puffing, I'll blow your house in. Huffing, puffing, blow your house in. Huffing, puffing, blow your house in. Huffing it up, puffing it up.